What's going on, everybody? Back here, opposite ends of the country and no longer on WSJU The Voice. Declan Langbaki is cross-country in California. I'm Brendan Myers coming to you from New Jersey. Declan, top shelf is back. A little bit of different form, but how you doing, man? Everybody staying safe by you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Can't complain. Uh, I Too many people are just sort of out and about, or at least they were out here in California. Uh, and in fact, this past weekend, everyone was out on the beach and out on the boardwalk that they call the Strand. So they have shut those down. No one's allowed now. <laughs> um, uh, so now it's like forced social distancing, which I think is good. But uh, yeah, just I think everyone's just sort of bracing for the for the hit that we're all going to take. So, I, I, you know, as long as, as long as the fam's healthy, I guess that's all you can no, ask for. How about the you? Same thing. Jersey got hit pretty bad. I think cause a lot of the commuters going back and forth to New York city, but so mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's healthy, like you said, so nothing to complain about, but just a quick update. We're going to be doing top shelf like this through the podcast form, anchor Spotify, and hopefully more in the coming weeks, release new episodes every Wednesday. St. John's, unfortunately, but probably the right decision, uh, March 11th or 12th closed down. They send all the resident students home, no longer have access to WSJU, but Declan, we found a way. We found, we listen, Top Shelf always finds a way. Uh, and also, they have canceled graduation in May. They, they're trying to find a later date, but right now in May, it is... It is no longer so virtual. Virtual walk across the stage is is the yeah, way we'll to go. If we we'll see how they get the uh, virtual reality technology, so I can picture myself walking across the Great Lawn. I mean, the thing is, is that it's tough, but St. John's really didn't have another choice. You know what I mean? Under Great Lawn with shades and listening to a commencement speaker that is utterly underwhelming of a selection for sure. That's just the St. John's way, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks that it has to end this way, but I, I really don't know if they had another choice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Brendan. The thing I'm most mad about is the fact that uh, March Madness got canceled. And I don't know about everyone else, but personally, I had Fridays off. And I was probably going to take a sick day that Thursday for that classic Thursday-Friday uh, start of the NCAA tournament, but can no longer do that. We are in mourning about that because, oh, doggy, that would have been. I mean, I wouldn't have gone outside. It would have been much similar to how everyone's living right now, where they're just, you know, staying inside and doing a bunch of stuff on electronically. But I would have just. It would have just been me, my beers, and and the good old. <laughs> And good old Bill Raftery. Yeah, look, man, I was supposed to help work out at the, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight at Madison Square Garden. So definitely being – and, again, it was the right decision. We're going to keep saying that throughout the whole show, that it was the right decision. It was the right decision. Everything. Yeah, and, I mean, also, St. John's, national champs. We won the we won the last game in the last half of the Big East yeah, tournament. Yeah they, yeah, they were leading – at the stoppage of the last game and of I don't understand the how they just like canceled the outcome of that game and then crowned them crowned Creighton the tournament champions. I mean, if anything, no, but can I, can I give you my take on what I thought the Big East should have done in that situation? 
what should they have done? I just thought they should have let St. John's and Creighton finish that game. Like, what did they gain by stopping that at the half? They could have just finished that game out and then just sent everybody home. They didn't have to play another game. But I don't think stopping it at halftime made that big of a difference in fighting the spread of I, the virus. You know what I mean? I think maybe that I, – I think that's a that's a solid point. But I think you have all the fans and everyone interacting. You have all the media – and surfaces and whoever they're interacting with. So I think right, it's if you get, true. if I you just... clear those people out, yeah, sure. Just have, and it's just the teams and the refs. That being said, there's still an element of risk. Also the PR for that would have been absolutely absurd for the big East. They would not have looked good. Um, especially because, you know, you know, the whole NCAA and all the conferences, they exploit the student athletes to make money. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't make me go Jay Billis here. But it just would not have been a good look, and I think that's more or less why they did it. But, yeah, I mean, St. John's won, so. I just thought either don't play the game at all or finish that first game. Well, I, I don't think stopping it at the half yeah. had that big of an impact. Well, also, I think. I don't know about how you grew up, but, you know, growing up in rec sports or in club sports, if you had a, say, a soccer game and then at halftime uh, it started to thunder and lightning and mm-hmm. so they had to, you know, cancel the game or stop the game, it was if, – if you played a half, if at that halftime mark a team was up, that that was it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it it's always been my – understanding you get the lead by halftime and then if you have to cancel the rest of the game it's whoever's up by halftime and if someone's mad about it well it's like sorry should have done better in the first half i mean in the grand scheme of things though that the one half between st john's and creighton that's a huge that's a banner being able being hung in (laughs) carnesecca arena all right oh that's a banner that's 2020 in the garden all right that's also that's an NCAA tournament berth, and then who knows? Maybe LJ Figueroa goes Kemba, which was not going to happen. But Rasheem Dunn could have. You got six or seven other teams in the Big East who could make the same argument. So yeah, also yeah, but they didn't have. You know, they're not New York's team. So, so not we're gonna, going with some. We're going with some East Coast uh, bias. Listen, a lot saying. can happen in New York minute, and we're going to give you forty of them. <laughs> I'm done. I'm already it's out. A, it's a take-go-lunch type out. of league. <laughs> All right, so we'll, go, we'll get it. It's into, a league that's going to take-go-lunch. So, obviously, we can't – I'm not going to play the what-if game, fill out a whole bracket, because there's way – Yeah, we'll let the, we'll let the experts even close do that. Set. Yeah, we're not going to do that. But, Declan, just give me a couple – what are your big takeaways from college basketball season? Anything you were particularly fond of, anything that you didn't like throughout the whole season? Dayton's building a program. Um, couldn't you argue it's been built though? Like they, I, they being, they've been solid. They being good is not new, but it's also like you. We didn't, you know, Gonzaga was up and coming until they were a number one seed, and I think that was Dayton this year. It's like, yeah, they've been they've been very solid the past few years, but they still have to prove it in March. And I think you know until this year or they have to prove it down the stretch, and Dayton's been proving it time and time again. 
Um, I think seniors still matter. You look at the best players in the NCAA. Uh, Az- Azumbike, Azumbike at uh, Billy. I'll just call him Billy. Billy at Kansas. Billy? Where are you getting Billy Isn't from? that his first name? Adoka, but close. Oh. <laughs> We're going to cut that out. <laughs> Adoka Azubuki. Azubuki? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, see, I wouldn't have... I don't know why I thought they have another player named Billy. I'm not gonna lie; they definitely have another player named Billy. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, you have Udoka, you have Marcus Howard, Miles Miles Powell, Cassius Winston. Uh, these seniors were the best players in college basketball by far, uh, and they and their teams were top. I mean, top eight seeds because of it. Other than Marquette, because Steve. Steve Wojciechowski is an all-coach, but, you know, I think uh, you you keep the seniors around, you see what happens. And uh, we're seeing that with Illinois as well. We're seeing that with Maryland. All these schools that are still maintaining the three, four-year players, uh, they got programs down. Yeah, I just think it's – and it's not unlike really anything – else in life to be honest it's just about finding the balance you can't go all with the one and done guys the guys who haven't played a minute of college basketball before heading into the season the um, I don't buy into you know the Kentucky model I know Cal's got the one national championship down there in Lexington but to me it's just finding the balance and I think that's what Dayton had this year you know you have Obi Toppin who's a redshirt sophomore winning national player of the year but then you have some other more experienced guys like Jalen Crutcher at the point guard and I, I think that balance is why Dayton was, was going to be something special moving into March. But one thing, my biggest takeaway with Dayton, Declan, and you know you're a Midwest guy, so you've been – I toured Dayton. You know, expo- yeah, you've they've been got, exposed to Dayton. They've got a hell of a recreational facility. That yeah, thing – It's not – That thing is – It's not an accident, though, that they're good. Like, Anthony Grant is building a program. They're here to stay. Like, this isn't going to be a one-off now thing. Imagine, like, obviously – Sorry, go ahead. No, just imagine – not, now you got me saying imagine yeah. too, but just because Obi Toppin's leaving and that's going to be a big replenishment that they have to fill there, but they're not going away. This wasn't a one-year wonder, you mm-hmm. know. This wasn't VCU and Shaka Smart going to the Final Four, and then Shaka dipping for Texas. Is is that a shot at Shaka Smart? Is Shaka Smart on the hard seat? Here's the thing. This is what's crazy: is so many of these coaches that have been underperforming like a Shaka Smart at, at Texas, he now gets, like, another year. Right. Which is which is a bit crazy. Um, and, I honestly, I don't think Shaka Smart really deserves it. I, 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 and, listen, I'm a huge Shaka Smart fan. I've loved him ever since VCU. Uh, I love this style of ball his, his teams play, or they did at VCU. He just hasn't been able to really figure it out at Texas. I think I I think he's I think he's trying to recruit these five star athletes to Texas and he's they're all striking out cuz they don't want to play the style he wants them to play. Uh I think he he w- he's a grinded out coach and he needs grinded out players and I don't think the people he has, the you know, the team he has at Texas, has that mentality, which is it's it's just crazy. Also, you look at Minnesota, 
do they get rid of Richard Ruby, uh, Richard Patino? Yeah, I mean, you, you sort of have the, to, the, right? I mean, he's been a dud. The thing is, I don't know if he's been a dud because Minnesota's put together some competent teams over the past couple of years. But just going back to Texas, right? They go in to the Big Twelve Championship, um, winning five of their last six, and that's wins over West Virginia and Texas Tech. So if you're shocked and smart, you said. Yeah, you know, we only finished nineteen and twelve, but we were playing our best basketball when it mattered. Yeah. And if you're tech if you're Texas and the athletic department, you can't argue that. That's a fact. Yeah. You know, they were playing their best basketball at the end of the season. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know, maybe if if Texas gets one or two games in the Big Twelve conference, they get to the semifinals or the finals of that tournament, they might get that sort of that big conference push in. Uh it's it's just sort of it's sort of funny um i think it was also just such a good year for college basketball i mean you had the big east was just absolutely nuts the entire year you didn't know who was going to win or lose other than st john's was probably going to blow a lead and go dead zero for ten from the from the field for like a good five minute stretch that's all you knew about the big east was that St. John's was going to go dead at one point during a game and that Marquette was going to try and run down the shot clock and then have Marcus Howard chuck up a three. No, but I mean, the Big East was ridiculously entertaining because you had Providence who looked dead and out of the water in non-conference, some dreadful losses, College of Charleston, Long Beach State, and then all of a sudden they're the favorite to win the Big East tournament because they're ridiculously hot heading into March, like the yeah. season was so absurd. You have Creighton beating Seton Hall what? on the last day of the regular season in Omaha to, to you know, clinch the share of the Big East. Like, it was just so nuts. There were always storylines in the Big East It's genuinely insane that a team that went 7-6 and six in their in their non-con goes 12-6 and six and has a bid at the, at the tournament. After like yeah because it, because the Big East tournament did, was not going to have an impact. Providence was in; they were yeah. going to get an at large. Oh, for sure. And then I mean, you look at you look at the Big East tournament. You got Seton Hall basically playing at home. You have St. John's winning the last uh, two of three and playing their best ball. Uh, you have Marquette who needed needed two wins at least in the Big East tournament to get to ensure their spot. Um, though many would say they had it, they were in for good already. Uh, you had Xavier in this, in a similar position who, you know, Xavier probably, probably could be a 12 seed, but would they have gotten it? It's, it's just frustrating to lose all these, all these headlines. One, or not lose all these headlines, just lose all these scenarios and all these, uh, games and matchups that we were going to have. One thing I want to point out is Costas Antetokounmpo was at Dayton. Uh, he would be a senior next year. So he would have been a junior this year. And I just think it's insane. If he could have stayed there, he had some problems with the coach. But what that would have looked like if Dayton had – Ob Topin and uh, or top is it Topin or Topin? By the way, I've heard of both. Topin, Topin is what I've consistently right. heard. I'm not going to act like I'm. Yeah, I've. I mean, I've heard both, but we'll just switch up so like we have it half right. Um, 
But think about if Kostas had developed at Dayton with OB, that would have been nuts with that team. I it's I'm just looking at all these conferences and looking at all the you know. Two weeks ago, I would have just been in front of my couch. Well, not two weeks ago at this point. Three weeks, four weeks ago, I would have been in front of my couch just enjoying all these conference tournaments. And now it's now it's all for naught. But with that being said, we can still use Joe Lenardi's bracket and go through, at least I would like to, go through who I think would have won the tournament if it played out like Joe Lenardi said. That's fair, but we're not going to go. We're not going to go through the whole bracket. So Joe Lenardi's last four in NC state, UCLA, Texas, Richmond, first four out Xavier, Wichita state, Memphis, Stanford. I might switch uh, UCLA for Xavier bit of big East bias in there. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, I think UCLA faltered over the course of the year. They didn't they didn't show as much consistency as I think Xavier did. I think Xavier showed that grit and grind. That well, the thing with UCLA is that there was definitely a learning curve to Mick Cronin taking over. Yeah, I mean they went twelve. You know, and like they got off to they got off to the slow start, but then once Pac twelve play came around, they were leading down the stretch of the Pac twelve. I I also think it's just hilarious that Mick Cronin is at UCLA. You know, this is UCLA. It's it's flash and glamour and it's sunshine and Mick Cronin's just this grit and grind like you're we're not gonna score type uh basketball. Yeah, but I mean after the initial struggles they they seem to prick up on it pretty well though. So I you know you definitely have the questions about the style fit when UCLA made that hire, but it looks you, like he's on to something out there. I, listen, I love McCronin as a coach. I think he's great. I just – I think it's – I didn't think it fit the UCLA brand is what I'm saying. And that's absolutely yeah. true. There were legitimate questions. But he said in interviews that he thought people were making too much of it and that he was just going to go in there. And, and, and coach. That's what, yeah, that's, that's what he did. And credit, credit, credit to him. him for doing what Steve Alford always failed to do. You know, what's funny about the Steve Alford hire, this is just a flashback, but he was hired uh, after he was the coach at, was it Nevada? Uh, no, he's at Nevada now. No, but where was Steve? Steve Alford was at uh, UNLV or – New Mexico. Mexico. I, listen, I knew it was one of the four corner states. Thank you. All right, four corner states. But it was Steve, Steve Alford got hired the same summer that Andy Enfield got hired, and Andy Enfield obviously was the coach at F, F, F Florida Gulf Coast University. I've developed a stutter. I've noticed. Um, just a side note. A no judge zone, man. I'm not. No, say I know. About it's that. just like incredibly frustrating. It's not. A, it's not all the time, but it's it's every now and then. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Um, but Andy Enfield, I think he didn't have the pressure of needing success in two to three years. I think his his range was three to four, and as long as they saw growth, he got the okay. Um, and Steve Alford, I did not have that. Steve Alford was his timeline was, if you're not successful this year, 
you'll get a pass, but the next the next year and the year after, we're going to want to see uh, high seeds in the tournament or at least a tourney run. And he, he didn't really deliver, um, even when he had yeah, great I mean, talent with Lonzo Ball and that and that crew. They did well. It just come it comes with the territory because UCLA, because of the dynasty that John Wooden had, is viewed as a blue blood in the program. They're used to and then you got Ben Howland and the success he had at UCLA. So they're used to success. Yeah. And, and it's not it's not easy just to come in there and uphold the tradition. Oh yeah. What I'm saying is I I don't think I wonder if, if you've switched roles if Andy Enfield gets the UCLA job and Steve Alford gets the USC job you know I just think that's a funny hypothetical to play with that I yeah you you, you could play the what if game all day but let's get all back right to the sorry okay now. sorry that's on me USC by the way definitely attorney team this year USC yeah I'm not gonna, right. I'm not gonna I, argue USC was doing single di- single digit losses. Pac twelve record a little bit concerning. Eleven and it, it seven 11 is seven. concerning. Oh yeah, yeah a little it, bit concerning. I, mean, I think you can. Yeah, for the Pac twelve, it was pretty weak this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, or yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going through it, and it's, yeah, none. I mean, Arizona and Arizona State maybe make it. I'm pretty sure Joe Lenardi has Arizona in and not Arizona State. Um, no, Arizona State's a, a 10 seed in the I see it now. So if we're looking at the brackets, you got the number one seeds, Kansas, Gonzaga, Baylor, Dayton. Um, I think let, I'm going to start with the Midwest region. I see the Sweet 16 there being Kansas – and then you go, is it Kansas versus Wisconsin or Kansas versus Auburn? Auburn, with the experience and uh, success off of last year, sort of following it up with another solid run. But Wisconsin, well-coached. Uh, they were really hitting their stride. I, that, you know, that's a, that's a toss-up to me, and I'll probably go Auburn because they have had that experience in the past. And then Kansas versus Auburn, I'm going to go Kansas. They can defend on the perimeter. So Kansas in the Elite Eight. We got Duke versus Belmont. I will. I think Duke goes to the Sweet Sixteen for sure. Providence. I. You know what? How to take Providence over Kentucky? First upset. A lot. I think a lot of people would have liked East Tennessee State over Iowa too. Either way, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's Duke Providence and Duke all goes to the. Uh, Goes to the Elite Eight. So then we got Kansas Duke. Bill Self's making a Final Four. Uh, then we go Dayton's going to go to the Elite Eight. That's not even a question. Uh, though, do you think Dayton would have struggles against Maryland? I, I do, because I think Maryland's a good team. But I, I think Dayton would eventually beat them. But I'm not gonna not gonna sit up here and trash Maryland. You know they got some great players of their own, Anthony Cow and Jalen Smith. I mean, all those guys have, are, have been around the block too. That Maryland's a very experienced team. I, I just think Dayton and the way how efficient their offense is. Jalen Crutcher at the point, really like Jalen Crutcher. I, I think Dayton would would ultimately beat Maryland in a close game. Fair enough. Um, 
So then we go Penn State. I think Penn State loses to UCLA. I know I'd, we're on the exact same page there. We're on the exact same yeah, page. Yeah, I there. think – I mean, NC State was fluctuating during ACC play. Uh, Mick, Mick Cronin knows how to get it done in March. I don't think Penn State really has that in their DNA. I do think mm-hmm. – and it ends up being Villanova versus Florida State in the Sweet 16. And I think – What a matchup that I mean, would be. Florida's at, Florida State's athleticism is is off the charts, but – I liked I like uh I like Nova's team. I like Gillespie. I like uh their experience and um how deep they are. So I'd actually I'd actually have to go with Florida State there. I don't think Villanova quite has the firepower that they would need to get past Florida State. I know they have Sadiq Bay, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Justin Moore, I mean some of the best freshmen in the big east, but I just think Florida State with with those guys, Trent Forrest, just too much firepower for Villanova. Again, no knock on. Yeah, Villanova. I mean, once you no, get to the, you know, we, you know, we listen. Once you get to the Sweet show. Sixteen, you're not knocking on anyone. You know, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you've got you've got Devin. You've got a great uh, you got a great guard combo in Trent Forrest and Devin Vassell. You've got the athletic big men that Florida State always seems to have. Um, I I think that's Florida State sort of DNA is the like Jonathan mm-hmm. Isaac types that can just they they uh, they can just fly on defense and and yeah last year it was uh, Mufiundo Cabanelli yeah it's that's if we're talking brands of basketball that's an exciting one to watch to see if they could ever put together a team that gets to the to the final four or the well yeah they've been to the elite eight so do they get to the final four do they win a championship eventually i don't i think they can based on this bracket i think it would have been tough for them because they would have ran into dayton though you know how could ob's worst games came against solid big men um but i still think you know dayton's riding high i you know Mm -hmm. midwest love so we got Dayton versus Kansas in the Sweet 16. They're in the Final Four. Whoa, Sweet 16. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Gonzaga go all the way to the Elite Eight. I think Peyton Pritchard and Oregon probably end up losing to Gonzaga. That's just a stalwart. Um, Where do you see Seton Hall losing in that mix? They're the three in the West. I mean, I just love San Diego State. Um, though I I don't mm-hmm. know if they would lose because San Diego State I just have always ever since ever I mean Steve Fisher was a great coach obviously but uh, I think Miles Powell Powell comes out and and uh and does it to him but guys like Malachi Flynn uh, he's He's there. Let's be honest. He's there, Miles Powell. Yeah, he's another legit yeah. player. He can. He's a guy who can go. And then out you got and Matt Mitchell you and Yanni Vettel with size, uh, and you have a great, you have a well coached team, a team that's used to winning, knows how to win. That's. I mean, that, mm-hmm. these are the types of matchups where you put everything down and you put your phone on do not disturb and you just watch. 
and that's that's disappointing that we won't get it. I think. San Diego Who do you State, like, San Seton Diego Hall. State, Seton Hall? Seton Hall. I watched enough of them. They they present enough matchup problems because they got Quincy McKnight and Miles Powell, strong backcourt, and then they got three seven footers yeah. that they can roll out at you. And yeah, that's a problem. I don't I don't disagree. Um, I just yeah, they're and they're on a mission. Uh, I think Miles Powell really wanted to prove something. I think he really tries to put on for Seton Hall, um, which as a St. John's guy, can't stand him. But as a college basketball fan, I really appreciate that. Um, so I think you have Seton Hall versus Gonzaga in the lead eight, and that's when it's – I mean, coin flip that for me. I can. I didn't watch a ton of Gonzaga this year. You know, they got, you know, guys like Petrosev and, and Killian Tilly. But this, this is a – you said it perfectly. It's a coin toss. You know, I'd probably go with Gonzaga just because I think that the the way to beat Seton Hall and it's what Villanova did at their matchup in Newark at the Prudential Center was if you get Romaro Gill out in ball screens and make him play defense on the perimeter, which those guys mm-hmm. on Gonzaga can do, Seton Hall really struggles. Because a big part of their defensive element is obviously the tremendous on-ball defense of Quincy McKnight. But it's Romaro Gill blocking shots in the paint and being a factor in that way. So if you take Gonzaga and their strength is, you know, having some versatile big guys that could take Gill out of the paint. I think. Yeah, and I like uh, the fact that Gonzaga has an eight-man deep rotation. um, And one of those – and one of those players – is their leader in block or one of their subs is their leader in blocks. They have a versatile enough de- uh versatile enough roster. Plus, I mean, Mark Few, I think I trust him to get the team to the final four over and over again. Uh mm-hmm. don't know if I trust that DNA in Seeing Hall. I know I've been talking a lot about DNA of a team and of a program. Um but I think in March that really matters. Though that being said, every now and then you have a team that changes it for the program, like Virginia did, like Nova did a few years back when they went two and three years. You know that completely completely changes the trajectory of of a team and of a school's basketball program. Yeah, because Jay Wright absolutely had the reputation yeah. of being a choker. I, I think it was a little bit unfair, but until he got it done, he did, he wasn't seen as an upper echelon college coach because he didn't get it done in March. And now he got two and three years, and now all of a sudden he's in. He, I mean, to me, he's been in it for the whole time, but now he's in the discussion with yeah. you know Coach K and Roy Williams and Bill Self, those guys, which he absolutely deservedly is. Yeah. In that so I'm gonna go Gonzaga as well um, in the Final Four, and right now we have all number one seeds. Yeah, and to be honest, I think the South now where we're looking is where you would get a, a non-number one seed because Baylor, I, they had a tremendous regular season. I'm, Scott Drews. I would never Scott bought Drews, into them. I never bought into them. Not an awful coach. I think, I think that so many people just did not want to buy in because it is Baylor and because they mm-hmm. are like a, oh, we'll get to the Elite Eight and then not do – and you know, and then just – blow it for lack of but a better word. But then you look down 
you look up and down the south, and this region is the most up I mean, for grabs. Listen, you have you, yeah. Go I'm, ahead. I'm I'm looking at Cincinnati as an 11 seed. Like, could they win a game or two? Absolutely. If they get Michigan State in the second round, is that a winnable game for Cincinnati? I think uh, absolutely. I disagree. I don't think Cassius Winston's going out that easily. I don't. I also think. Uh, I mean, while since it's just it's a weak year for Virginia, I would just want to see. Uh, Tony Bennett and his pack line defense against Cassius Winston and Michigan State. And I think Michigan State would Not, be playing absolutely. with some to prove. I like Michigan State all the way to the Final Four, honestly. I could definitely see that happening, but I'm looking even too. Vermont is a 13 seed. Watch them play. It's, yeah. Watch them play St. John's. They definitely have the talent they to ha- beat Louisville. They and have- then if they beat. And then if they beat Louisville, they can absolutely yeah, beat Ohio State. Yeah, they have State, single you know? digit losses, and you know, yeah, they're a very good team. Anthony Lamb is one of the best players in the country, one yeah. of the best scorers. So you just look at Vermont and say, you know, why not? Creighton is a two seed. Could make I'd it. see? I think I think if USC beats Illinois, which is indefinitely possible, I think USC beats Creighton. And yeah, that's but that's again what I'm saying though is the South is according to this. If the bracket played out the way Joe yeah. already thought it would, and we said hypotheticals, it's I think the the South you is have, wide open. Do you, what's your final four prediction right now? Kansas, Dayton, Gonzaga. Who's your last one in? I mean, I I can't pick Baylor because I can't go four number one seeds. That'd but be taboo. I, yeah, come on in. What I'm. I'll just take Michigan, Michigan State. State. Even Dude. even though it's a blue blood, I'll just take Michigan <laughs> you State. You wanted to go anti blue blood? <laughs> yeah, because it's well, I guess Dayton. Yeah, Dayton's not a Dayton, so but Dayton also it gets canceled out as a as not being a blue blood because they are a number one seed. So All right, so, so fair. So my my bracket's pretty well, strong. Gonzaga, I mean, Gonzaga as well has the same restriction. Do you? I honestly, I might have. I just believe in Cassius Winston so much that I might have Michigan State going all the way. Michigan State's three-point shooting worries me. Yeah, but Cassius Winston. But again, I, I he's a tremendous leader. And this is not a knock on Cassius Winston. But if they get into a shootout with Gonzaga. See, I don't know. think I don't think either coach really would try and employ that technique. Or that tactic. I'm just uh, Michigan State getting involved in a game that moves past the 70s always worries me. Fair enough. I'm not. I'm not gonna di- like you look at you look at their losses. They've all been hovering around like 70 points. Um that being said, they know how to win close games and they know how to finish blowouts. I mean, I'm looking at their last four games versus Iowa, 78-70 win. At number nine, Maryland, 78-66 win. At Penn State, 79-71 win versus Ohio State, 80-69 win. I mean that, and before that, they beat Nebraska at Nebraska. Granted, Nebraska's trash, but that's five straight wins. 
after losing a game at, versus Maryland on their home court, I think they were out with some to prove. I like Michigan State over Gonzaga. See, I'd go Dayton Gonzaga in my title game and just throw off the entire. I would love basketball that. World. That also. A lot of a lot of people like Kansas, and I'm not gonna knock it. You know, they got Doxon, Azubuki, one of the best, one of the best, if not the best, and most dominant big man in the country when he's out of foul trouble. But I'm just gonna mix it up here. I'm going Dayton and Gonzaga, and Dayton. All right, my and then champion. after this, we'll switch up to another bracket, or not really bracket because they do draws, but. Well, no, Declan. I want to get. I want to get your one more. T- one more question All for right. you on the NCAA. Also, I think Azubuki could give top. Topin, Topin, some problems. So, I'm going. Um, ah, but I want Dayton. You know, I want Dayton. Midwest love. I'm screw it. Michigan State all the way. Michigan State wins. Doesn't matter who they play. Midwest, Midwest love. love. But now, one thing: NCAA comes out last night and approves an extra year of eligibility for spring athletes, not for winter athletes. Declan, your thoughts on that? I mean, winter sports were all but done, so makes sense. I get it. Um, it's going to make it hard on the the schools whose budgets are stressed to if if a uh, if an athlete wants to return, a spring athlete wants to return, and that school has given up their scholarship spot, or a lot of these spring sports are half scholarships to people. To some players, um, yeah. This article from ESPN says the decision will allow schools to expand their rosters beyond current scholarship scholarship limits. So it appears that if you're an incoming recruit, your scholarship will yeah, not but be just affected. the budget. I'm saying, you know, yeah. And there, there's been reports today, and this is looking forward to the future, and it's still speculation. But I think I, it was from the Athletic or Bleach Report. I can't remember which I got the notification from, but it says their college. Um, athletic departments that are worried what's going to happen to the department if there's no college football season because that's so much money yeah. for the school. Yeah. And they think there's the possibility of programs being cut. And it's it's all speculation right now. Call the boosters, but the man. Impact on sports, <laughs> the impact on sports of, of coronavirus is, is certainly yeah. no joke. No. All right, moving on. To another tournament, one of one that we know a little bit more about, or I don't know if we know. I there's just less teams involved, so I'd say I know more about it than than March Madness. I won't I won't go crazy. We are top shelf after all. Also, did you know that UEFA lists Bayern Stadium as football arena Munich, not Allianz Arena? No, I don't know that. That's a big no-no in my book. So, last we saw from any soccer anywhere, uh, well, any any of the big five European leagues was Liverpool, the reigning Champions League champions. Knocked out by Atletico Madrid in extra time. Did you watch the game? What were your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, the big thing heading into the second leg was, you know, Jurgen Klopp saying, this is Anfield, welcome to Anfield, and that it was going to be a completely oh, different and, story. Oh, and the whole, but, they celebrated like they were winning, like they won the tie. It's... Yeah, and then Atletico came in and pretty much did the same thing and beat them down in even stronger fashion, yeah. you know? and I think, and we had said this on a radio show at the time, like, if there's a team that can go into Anfield and hunker down and win a game at Anfield with that much pressure, it would be Atletico. Yeah, and look, I'm going to be honest too. If you came in and told me that Liverpool scored two goals, I would have been like, all right, they're through to the next round, mm-hmm. they're through to the quarterfinals. But, you know, Atletico – you know, coming through with the three goals. I think it was Llorente that came yeah. off the bench and 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 hit two. And Alvaro Morata even found a goal at the end. It's, you know, crop, credit to Diego Simeone. It's a credit and props at the same time. Yeah. It's a crop. But, it, you know, Diego Simeone, who, you know, was starting to fall out of favor a little bit over there at the Atletico because they, had, you know, start to hit a wall and slow down a little bit. But then, he- you know. Nothing like a little Champions League knockout round win. He's only league. ever lost a Champions League match to to a team with Ronaldo on it. Yeah, he's never lost to a team in the knockout round without Ronaldo, which is an absurd yeah. stat. And I read that for the first time. I had to do a double take. I was like, is that true? I was like, wait. It's, it's absolutely absurd. And it's one of the reasons Diego Simeone is one of my favorite managers. Um he, he, you know what I think is going on with Klopp and, and Simeone? It's two alphas going at each other. You know, they both they're both so emotional, and they both wear their emotion down their sleeve. That you know, when the other guy's in town, there's a little bit little bit of competition I, yeah. there, and it's it's the it's the competition for the spotlight. And Diego Simeone stole it because his club had the game plan. You knew the thing with Atletico is you know what they're gonna do. It's no surprise. But you can't prepare for that. You know, kind of you know they're going to be incredibly organized defensively. Um, also, you know they have Jan Oblak in the goal. Who, as you know, before the game started up, me and my friend who I was watching with Ben, we were like, Oblak's not talked enough in terms of the top three goalkeepers in the world. And after watching that game, we we're like. He might not be talked enough just as the best goalkeeper in the world. Because the thing with Oblock is that he doesn't make – like, he's not big into the theatrics, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He makes everything he look made, so his, simple yeah. that it's like – it's because of his positioning and how smart he is and how cerebral he is that, you know, the saves he make don't really look that spectacular. But, like, last year in the Champions League, he's got a triple save. But he makes it look mm-hmm. so easy because of how good his positioning is, how quick his reflexes are, that you don't really bat an eye when he makes an outstanding save. But you know, yeah, I think he he lets his play do the talking. I think I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, it, you hit the nail. I think his positioning and his reflexes are incredible. I listen. Not only was it at Anfield with with the cop going crazy. You're at Anfield on a cold, rainy night. That is not ideal for any keeper. And he he was lights out 
he was lights out. Um, I also think a reason he doesn't get talked about more is because he's not really involved in too much of build-up play. I mean, yeah, as I remember not too long ago, I was reading a really interesting article. It was probably before the first tie between these two, but about how Allison and Jan Oblak are both two of the best goalkeepers in the world, but just how different their styles of play are. Because Allison basically plays as a third center back as far as build up and playing out of the back, but Oblak really wants yeah. no part of that. I mean, he can't like obviously he can use his feet, but it's it's not like he's one right. or two. It also goes into the way that both of the teams play. More often than not, Atletico is not going to possess along their back four, play it back right. to their keeper. They're also not going to counterattack in such a way where it's Jan Oblak just firing a ball out to the wingers who are just going to take off. Uh, right, which is probably why, because if you flip the switches, Allison's probably not as dominant on Atletico because he's, his skill set's not as, as well he, built for He can't that sit type of in goal for the entire game and just reflex mm-hmm. after reflex um, and bark out orders. I mean, he, I, right. yeah, that's just not his style. Atletico... Klopp was saying, I don't know why they play the way they play. I, and he's, But he's, he said it at the same time. He said exactly what it is, is they won, so they are right. And that's exactly true. It's why did they play the way they played and with the quality that they have to win? You know, they don't have players that can sprint with, with Wijnaldum, with Mane, with Salah, they don't have they don't have that type of midfield or or uh, wide backs even um, or Oxlade Chamberlain who's playing so direct they can't like Koke and Saul can't can't track back that fast with those guys. Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's why they play. Yeah, Atletico just they don't make themselves vulnerable. It's really as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I you know it was. It was an incredible game to watch. I mean, it was just... And then, so it's... So Liverpool goes up, what was it, 1-0? And then they go into extra time, yeah? Yeah, and then, I think it was, yeah. yeah it was yeah, 1-1 because yeah. that's why it went into extra time, yep. Yeah, it was 1-1 on aggregate. So it goes into extra time. And then Liverpool scores in the first five minutes of extra time. Yeah, which is, and which is think, almost – we didn't talk about that yet, Declan, but that's You're thinking the, the game's that's over. That's probably the craziest you're, part about this. I was thinking the game was over. Yeah. And then Lorente, incredible build-up play, and just slots it in. And then you're – so then you're thinking, oh, like, you're you don't know what's because then it's it's a tie game and and Atletico's up on away goals yeah and then that puts all the pressure back on Liverpool that one goal and then yeah and then finally uh, Atletico just outlasted them and Murata Murata makes up for his shit of a game on uh on the previous leg scores and. That's that. To be fair, and this is a point my friend Ben raised, is how different is this game if Allison's in goal rather than Adrian? 
because uh, well, he was the one I that he there. was the one that made the mistake to give Atletico the goal in extra time, box clearance, yeah, turnover, Lorente goal, I, yeah. It, obviously, would have made a difference, but I I don't like playing the what if game, you know. Yeah, you play the what if yeah, game yeah. all day. I think that's, I think that's that should be the title of the episode. The, well, yeah, basically because we're playing what if because you know sports don't exist yeah. anymore. So then, okay, but that that game was just. It was so much fun to watch. It was one of the best Champions League games I have seen in a long, long time. Um, And one that I can honestly say exceeded expectations when my expectations were incredibly high. Yeah. And then you look at the other games, too, just how weird it was. Because then you got PSG coming back on Dortmund. And this was something I thought was going to happen because PSG gets the road goal in the first leg. In Germany, so you're like, all right, they're in the driver's seat heading back to France. But my big takeaway from that is just how weird it was to watch a game with no fans in the stands. Yeah, in, incredible. And you'll love to see PSG celebrating from their rooftop of the stadium yeah. with the fans outside. That being said, should have been practicing social distancing. Yeah, and again, we, we're talking about it. We're, we're kind of making jokes about the no fans in the stadium, but it was the right decision. At that time, it, it was the right decision. It was, it was the right decision, if, yeah, for if sure. If they wanted to continue with sports, fine, but you needed to take the precautions, and they did with not having the fans there. Yeah. Um, Leipzig just demolished Tottenham. Tottenham's just depleted. Yeah, I mean, though, I, I you told know. all my friends that Leipzig was going to dominate Tottenham. This was like the one Champions League tie that I was so, so sure about. Because, like, the way yeah. Tottenham's been struggling this year, Leipzig's athleticism was no match for them. Like, t- Tottenham Tom, yeah. never had a chance in this tie. Tottenham doesn't have the quality. Let's, I mean, you look up and down Tottenham's roster, it's either old or too slow. Yeah, and to me, it just doesn't look like they're buying into Mourinho right now either. And, again, the season's uh, on hold now, and you, you yeah. know, no update or a timetable on when it's going to resume. But, I mean, it might be better for Tottenham because, you know, they can't drop down the table now. Yeah, and I mean, listen, Leipzig can give a real go. I think in this in this tournament, we'll see. What, I I think they can match up with just about any team because they can score on just about any. Team. Yeah, because that that high press. I mean, I know every team says that they high press, but Leipzig takes it to a whole nother level because every single player who steps onto the field for RB Leipzig is a freak athlete. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was just about to say, every single player that steps on can high yeah. press. And the one thing, Declan, you played soccer, I played soccer, we both know it. If if you play a high-pressing system, but one person doesn't do their job, the entire system's screwed. The whole system breaks down, and that that's the best part as a center back is like, oh, someone's pressuring me, but no one else is pressuring, so I can just pass it to my right, and it's all good. Like, that's the best, but it's also it's so frustrating being on the other end when you're sprinting to pressure and no one's with you. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, Leipzig is that cohesive unit and they all can do it. And then if you make a mistake, you turn the ball over in the middle or final third or your own defensive third, I should say. I mean, it's almost guaranteed lights out with Timo Verdo, Yusuf Paulson. Um, You have have, uh, Pulitzer. Sabitzer, the du- Sabitzer, Sabitzer, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm mixing up names now, but I, it's just all around. And Cuckoo, you have these fantastic, players. and they're all young. They're all young. yeah, 
It's insane. And they have Tyler Adams. And they have Tyler Adams, who hopefully, you know. The right back, Tyler no, Adams. Don't even get me started. But hopefully, not that there's any positives about this situation, but hopefully he can just kind of take this to get healthy finally. Cause, Same with Christian Pulisic. Yeah, all these guys. And, you know, it's probably a much-needed break for a lot of these athletes because now you're starting to head into the, you know, the, the or, real dog days of all the seasons. So, well, one way – LeBron James put it was, you know, he's been LeBron said he's been training his body every year for like for the NBA season. Mm -hmm. And so right around this time, he starts to really get himself into playoff shape, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was saying, but we're not playing any games and my body's just saying to me, what the hell's going on? Well, that's the thing. Well, there's. And I actually wanted to bring this up with you, and I think it's an interesting discussion. Like, if if by some miracle the virus just at, fell off the face of the earth tomorrow, right? Yeah. Sports can't start for another couple of weeks because these guys aren't in shape because they don't have – I know a lot of them probably have home gyms and stuff, but they don't have access if you're a basketball player to be getting yeah. full 3v3, 5v5 runs in. So it's going to take yeah. another couple of weeks to start slowly – reinstating sports because it's it wouldn't be safe for the athletes to be completely honest they're not in shape yeah you see injuries through the roof if you know within a week of the virus being under control they start to try and start playing games again mm-hmm. i think i also think it's different between basketball and soccer basketball is a much fast faster paced game um on on a unnatural surface a lot more starting and stopping, quick cuts, so it's harder on the knees and the joints. And I would say basketball is a lot more of a rhythm sport too. Like you need to be getting those those five v five runs in yeah, three or four I times can, a week. I think right now I need like I could go and play a game of soccer like nobody's business, even though like me, you know, on the club humble team, humble brag. Just, yeah, or it's also sort of like intramurals. It's like. You can tell in intramural basketball the people that don't hoop, that only hoop when it's their intramural game versus the people that are hooping at Tafner every day. Whereas, like, intramural soccer, you got a kid that might play pickup once every two, three weeks versus the guys that are playing pickup all the time. If you just divide the teams up, that kid that plays every two, three weeks but his his class is still there, Mm -hmm. then, you know... It's it's there's less of a drop off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so PSG goes through. They get that monkey off their back, which I love to see. But just I don't think it is though. I I think I think Neymar and Mbappe certainly feel like it. This is the first time they've been out of the round of sixteen in the three years. But to me, PSG with the talent that they have is a semifinal team. You know what I mean? So uh, we've it, talked about this. They don't have the midfield, I, and absolutely. But with the way they or the back. with the way they spend money, they need to be getting to the semifinals. Yes. With with the way they, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. With the way they spend money, for sure. Um, where do you did you see PSG making it to the to the semis? No, but again, you don't know who they were going to get matched up with. So. Yeah. I don't want to play again. This whole episode is, you know, kind of the the, the what, what if. Ifs. So, but I, dude, what if Chelsea came back? Yeah, again, you could play that game all day, and Chelsea fans are. That's not a Chelsea game. Chelsea fans no, are probably you can't saying, play that. Game. No, but that's that's probably what they're doing. 
No, I don't think any Chelsea fan is out there saying right now. Well, if we get a goal in the first fifteen, you know they always do it. You know, it's it's not it's a natural instinct for a fan is to always kind of kind of think the best unless unless I, you're a Knicks fan. I would just be joking about it. It's like when I say St. John's should be given the Big East tournament title, though that's an actual statement. We should be given the. Big so East now you're title. contradicting yourself too. All right, I'm going to cancel this podcast. <laughs> All right, Jaglin. Moving yeah, on. Moving on. NFL free agency. Shall we talk about yeah, it? Yeah, whatever you want. Eagles to the Super Bowl again, baby. Our secondary's back. What have their big moves been? I ha- okay, so have you been paying attention? Yeah. Um, Eagles got Darius Slay, most notably. Yeah, that was through the trade, though, right? Yeah, but still. Yeah, great. He's, a great, you know, we he's a great player. Um, as well as signing two, yeah, two sort of hybrid secondary players that can play slot and regular corner, as well as oh, CBS Sports loading. You know what really grinds my gears, Brendan? Autoplay. Yeah. Autoplay is. Just, yeah, you know, blah. Anyway, um, what are your thoughts on the Ryan Tannehill deal? Let's start with that. Let's start with something no one saw coming. He, well, I think a lot of people saw it coming when he got them to the AFC Championship game. No, I meant, I meant starting with Ryan Tannehill rather than starting with like Tom Brady or DeAndre Hopkins. You don't want to talk about what people are interested in. I want to I want to talk about it eventually, but I sort of want to keep them on their toes. We got to start moving forward here. We're this is a pretty long intro episode. Yeah, but nothing better than to show them the authentic top shelf. I think Ryan Tannehill put a lot of pressure on the Titans when you you know you make it to an AFC Championship game. What, like, what are you going to do? Just ditch him after that? But thirty million a year—that's what franchise quarterbacks get. And I'm not—is he a franchise? Quarterback? That's what I was about to say. I'm not here to judge whether he is or isn't. Not, my guess is, like I've always thought that Ryan Tannehill is kind of in that mid-tier where he can get you ten, eleven wins a season, but he's—he's he's really not going to win you games, and he's not going to lose you games. But so Alex Smith, yeah, it, probably a little bit better throwing the ball. Than Alex Smith, at least deep ball, yeah. deep ball. But for when sure. that offense is guided by Derrick Henry, he yeah. doesn't. Who they franchise? Yeah, Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's not going to have to throw 350 yards a game. So, you know, but again, should that guy get 30 million? Probably not. Fair enough. Do you think? So right now, too, um, moving from one quarterback to another, Cam Newton, first. Put on put on the trading block, and Cam was not having it. Um, and then, or Cam just openly said, "Hey, I didn't ask for this." And then, eventually released. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, it's it's like no one wants to touch. It. No one's. I don't understand how Cam doesn't have an offer to be a starting QB. I I think it's the injuries, man. People are saying it's the attitude. And I thought he said the attitude narrative way long ago. I I thought when when they made the Super Bowl run, 
Yeah, but then think about he got in a lot of hot water after the Super Bowl for walking walking out of the press conference because he didn't like a question. And yeah, I'm, I'm and not saying I it's right that. or wrong. It just didn't. It kind of it didn't fit. It throws right. gas yeah. under the fire if you're a Cam Newton critic. But you're talking about a guy that you know played 14 games in 2018. Def, you know you don't want your quarterback missing any games, and then 2019 obviously only plays two games. And I yeah. I think for the kind of money because obviously. Obviously, Cam Newton's got the talent, former MVP, but in the same vein, you're not going to give him that kind of former MVP money if you can't guarantee a 16-game season. And I think that's why he's going to have an issue. If he, I think if a team's willing to take kind of like a one-year, $18 million a year flyer on him, he'll flourish. Yeah, I think, listen, you give him 15 to 20 for one year, you give him the right weapons. I, I mean – if the Patriots sign him and then a uh, two good receivers, it's game over for the rest of the league. Yeah, my thing though, you're you're talking about him going to the Patriots, right? I heard that. I want to make sure I heard that yeah. correctly. I yes. my one concern for that would be Bill Belichick is probably going to want a quarterback that he knows can go out there 16 games a year, and right now that's the Fair biggest enough. question mark about Cam Newton for the yeah. kind of money that he deserves. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I, I'd agree with that. The stat that I saw, only five QBs have more touchdowns through 125 games than Cam. Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino, Payne Manning, Russell Wilson, and Brett Favre. Yeah, again, the, and with with Cam Newton, one word right now, it's injuries. Yeah, and I I do you think he how much of an attitude or maturity problem do you think he actually has? Because um, I think he doesn't have one, but I think there's this narrative out there that that says he has one. How many people do you think are buying into that narrative? Um, I think the only people that can accurately judge that are teammates from Florida, teammates from Blinn College, teammates from Auburn, and teammates from the Panthers. You're just going down their resume, aren't you? I'm not reading it off of anything. You knew he went to Flynn College? Blinn College. Blinn College, yeah. but you know you're just on a different level than me, man. I think he's got a little bit of an ego, but what professional athlete doesn't have an ego? Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's a cancer in the locker room, which I agree. I think he kind of gets that reputation. Yeah, but I but think... again, I'm not in a place to accurately judge that. Fair enough. Moving on to uh, how do you like the. His replacement, by the way, Teddy Bred. I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. You're a Teddy Bridgewater fan. Um, I think we both thought he didn't get his right, his his due in uh, in Minnesota. I like that signing. Yeah, for, I, I think for Carolina. I, how do you? Do you just do you, you got to make sure you have a? And this is this is going to come off as like a sarcastic jab at Bridgewater, but it's not. But you. With Teddy Bridgewater is at his best when he's got a good defense too. Yeah, and and in New Orleans he had great playmakers around him, which is which is what he needs. And again, it's it comes off as a jab at Teddy Bridgewater, but it is not. But you know, you give him a playmaker like Christian McCaffrey, and that could be a problem for for opposing yeah. defenses. So yeah. I think you know if Carolina can make some moves and get some pieces for him, it'll be a, a terrific move because I think Teddy Bridgewater is again probably in. 
if we're talking about those tiers, probably in that tier yeah. with Ryan Tannehill, but higher on that list, you know, close yeah, I like him. Good... I like him more than Tannehill. Yeah, which I, I think, absolutely yeah. agree with. How do you feel about the Buccaneers' chances to make a run in the playoffs now that they have signed Tom Brady? Uh, I, I, can I be completely honest with you? I don't think they're that much higher than they were if they had re-signed Jameis. Yeah. I mean, I think, think they should have re-signed Jameis. They're still finishing second in the division because you still have New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then in the NFC East, you have two playoff caliber rosters, Dallas, Philadelphia. You got the NFC West, which is a loaded division, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals look like they are no joke they're, anymore. They're certainly making moves. Yeah, they're making moves, and I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team this year. But the NFC, there's a lot of talent. I didn't even talk about the NFC North yet. Yeah. So, I mean, is there a good chance that the Buccaneers don't even make the playoffs this year? Absolutely. Yeah. I th- I I'm with you. I think we'll see how this draft goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I I'm not really buying the hype too much. No, for, um, and again, it it it'll come off like a jab at Tom Brady. It, it's not 40 it's 42 year old quarterback, you know. Yeah. Do you think what are your thoughts on the Jameis Winston situation? I felt like he deserved another, like, yeah, 30 TDs and 30 interceptions. Not good. That, I, I want but him to sign in New England. You want, I I mean, that'd be a funny. Yeah, because I, I think in that system with McDaniels and Belichick there to keep him in check a little bit, I think he he throws 18 or less interceptions while still putting up those kind of touchdown numbers well, in he, New England. Well, he did get LASIK surgery. Did he? Yeah, you didn't hear about no. this? Yeah, he got LASIK surgery. But did you hear what, uh, I think it was Chris Godwin, the Buccaneers wide receiver, he came out and said that a, a large majority of the interceptions were not his fault. He said, like, us receivers were making bad reads. And and it got Jameson to trouble. And now Chris Godwin's all like, you can have 12 if you want it, Tom. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. Like, you have to say so that. T- we're Top shelf teammate of the year we're giving to Chris Godwin. Because no, yeah. no matter who his quarterback is, he's got their back. He's got their backs for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Pats are just quietly, you know, re, re-upping on their defense. I think they need to get playmakers on offense. We both feel that way. Um. Todd Gurley, do you think he has a comeback in him? Philip Rivers to the Colts, what are your thoughts on that? And then, um, then let's just dive into the to how ridiculous DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals was. Yeah, and then we'll close out the show. So, yeah. first thing, Todd Gurley, it all depends on how Atlanta uses him. If they try to hand him the ball 25 times a game, it's, it's not going to work. But if they limit his touches to 12 to 15, Matt Ryan screen passes out of the backfield, get him in space, he could be a really, really nice playmaker. I don't buy into the Todd Gurley's career is over bandwagon, which I think there's a lot of people that do. Clearly a, yeah. clearly a significant knee problem to play here. But just don't hand him the ball 25 times a game. Next, we're, we're on a free agency uh, hot seat here. Next, we're talking about Phillip Rivers. I don't. It, I don't love the move. I I don't know if it's that much of an upgrade over Brissett, to be honest. I like Brissett. Yeah, it, to me, where Brissett was and where Philip Rivers is in his career, 
I, I don't know if it's necessarily that much more of a difference. Does does Philip Rivers probably win them one or two games more? I, I could buy into that theory, but I'm not in on the you know Colts as an AFC Championship Super Bowl team, which I, definitely I'm not, not saying there are people that are. That's just where I weigh in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard that from no. The... So I want to make that clear that I'm I'm not accusing people of saying yeah. that. I what are your thoughts on I think Ty Taylor I've I mean we've talked about this over 3 years. I've always felt Ty Taylor has always gotten the short end of the stick whether it was uh in Buffalo or coming out of VT um what are your what are your thoughts um uh, if he was the starting quarterback on San Diego? I don't think San Diego's that great. Los of Angeles. A team. Yeah, I'm still gonna call him San Diego. I don't care. I'm like I, I, I said San Diego and as soon as I said that I was like, Wait, they're in Los Angeles now and I should just say the Chargers. But no. Well I um like I don't I've never been a huge Tyrod Taylor fan, to be completely honest. What was it a couple of years yeah. ago when the Bills were playing the Jaguars and Wildcard Weekend? It was Blake Bortles versus Tyrod Taylor. And Right? Uh, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to stick nine-inch nails uh, in my eyes during that game. I mean, that was that was terrible to watch. But he he is a guy, you are absolutely correct, that got the short end of, of the stick multiple times in his career, got hurt in Cleveland, lost a job to Baker Mayfield. That That's always tough to deal with because it's, it's not your fault. You get hurt. Yeah. And a guy comes in. But, again, the Chargers eh, – are they that much different with Tyrod Taylor than Phillip Rivers? No, I'd act, I'd argue they're probably a little bit worse off. But again, yeah, is potential landing spot for Jameis or Cam? Yeah, something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um. What team? So real quick, what team has been made the? What team has improved the most so far throughout free agency? I mean. Uh, off of one move, could I say the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably where I was going to go to. Because I mean, you got Buffalo made a couple of nice signings, but the Stefan Diggs trade, and again, Stefan Diggs is a great player, but they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot of draft capital for Stefan Diggs, so I'm not going to go with Buffalo. But you give Kyler Murray DeAndre Hopkins, and he's got Larry Fitzgerald on the opposite side. With, and it should be noted, Cliff Kingsbury is coach who will go five wide. Yeah, and Kenyon Barner, who's another good feature back, perfect for that system. Kenyon Bar- Kenyon Ken- Drake. I'm saying yeah, Ken- Kenyon say, Barner. Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Barner, yeah. the former Oregon running back. Yeah, dude. Jeez, come on. What do you? I I I always appreciate when you uh, mess up names because I've messed up probably twenty <laughs> so far just this episode. Um, I uh, yeah, I'd go Cardinals as well. They signed Jordan Phillips from the Bills. They get DeAndre Hopkins. They get that awful, awful contract of David Johnson off. They get a draft pick as well, and then they sign Devondre Campbell online. So you know they're improving their defense, obviously improving their offense. Another year for Kyler Murray to develop. Cliff Kings. It's they're just going to be fun to watch. Yeah, another under the radar signing, Malcolm Jenkins to New Orleans. Yeah, going back to where you know he 
he's always had love for them. They've always had love for him. Yeah. That'll be that'll be fun to and see. I wouldn't, Can they recreate the magic that they once had? And I wouldn't sleep on what the Dolphins are doing either. Yeah, Byron Jones. Yeah, Byron Jones. And if they get Tua, watch out. Kyle Van Noy, a nice little edge player familiar with Brian Flores. I don't hate. I don't hate what the Broncos are doing. What were their big moves? I I didn't follow what them. I mean, they re-signed Justin Simmons. They or they franchise tagged him, mm-hmm. and then they got. They already have uh, Philip Lindsay, but they got Melvin Gordon oh, as that's well. Right. Melvin, that's right. Melvin Gordon, who just gives them another option. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so, and when, when Mel- you have a a young quarterback like Drew Locke, who showed signs of promise, you, you can't. You can never put enough playmakers around a young quarterback. So. Yeah, though they should they should definitely target more wide receivers. Absolutely. I do. Yeah, I, I think there's there's just exciting developments, but uh, we'll see. I also, I mean, so far Cowboys re-upping and adding adding some players as well. What's tough for Dallas is going to be the Travis Frederick retired though. Yeah, was listen, uh, Wisconsin guys, dude, they're. Retiring early, Travis Frederick, uh, Chris, Chris, what was Chris B O Borland, Chris Borland. Uh, if you remember, linebacker for San Francisco, retired after his rookie year when he was all rookie second team. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna say us Wisconsin guys are smarter than the rest, but us Wisconsin guys know when to when to limit our brain damage. You included? I'd say I have a higher higher tolerance than some. So, all right, I think that'll wrap it up. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this is this. If anything, this was a good test go. Yeah, first episode of Top Shelf, the podcast in the book. Appreciate anybody who had made it through to this point. Went a lot longer than we had than we had anticipated. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh me and shout out to our producer, Brendan. Um Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back. New episode next week. But now now yeah. that we're on Spotify, I think we have to do the official please remember to, you know, like, rate and subscribe. <laughs>